Welcome to the Bay Area Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to make passionate, maturing followers of Jesus from here to the nations. We hope you will be changed by this message and invite you to visit us in the greater Annapolis area. If you would like to learn more about our church and ministries, please visit our website at bayareacc.org. I was running a bit behind today, so I thought if you guys wouldn't mind, I'd just like to write out my weekly thank you notes right now. Is that cool with you, Ash? I love you. Uh, James, can I get some Halloween uh, thank you note writing music, please? Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Washington Nationals logo, for making every non-sports fan wonder, wait, why is everyone suddenly going nuts for Walgreens? (laughs) I did think that. All right. Good morning. You know you thought of that. You know you have. I did. (laughs) If you haven't met, my name is Pastor Allen. I am the pastor of Missional Communities. Just want to give a shout out to those in the chapel. I see you. For those online, I see you too over in Odenton. Woohoo! Odenton is rocking it. We're so thankful you were there today. Uh, And so why thank you notes? You know you like thank you notes. I love Jimmy Fallon. And the reason why is because we're in a letter that's like a long thank you notes. Paul is writing a letter to the Philippians, and he is very thankful. He's very joyful. Now, my family and I lived off support for many years, and we wrote a thousand plus thank you notes. So this is a very familiar thing for us as well. So we're going to jump into this passage. We're towards the end of our sermon series. We're in the last paragraph. And before we jump in and read it, I want us to try to imagine what it was like to receive this letter. So just a reminder, Paul is in a Roman prison 765 miles away from Philippi. He's sitting there and Epaphroditus, one of the church members from Philippi, has made this long trek to come give Paul a gift, a financial gift. And he almost died in the process. We don't know exactly what happened, but he almost died. Paul's so thankful. He gets this gift. And what tops it off is that this is one of his poorest churches. They're in a state of financial troubles. And yet he receives this gift. How would you feel if you were Paul? Joyful, thankful. So he writes this letter, gives it back to Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus makes the long trip back. Now, let's now imagine that we are gathering for worship in Philippi, maybe at Lydia's house. We don't know exactly, but there is a buzz because we've heard about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, he's back, and he has gotten this letter from Paul. So here is this letter, and maybe one of the elders stood up in that meeting at the house and reads this letter. It only takes about 15 minutes to read it in its entirety. And here now, the very fat last paragraph, what Paul says. This is the word of God. It's not, not just from Paul, but this is God's holy and inspired word from Philippians 4, starting in verse 14. And yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, When I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek, uh, not that I seek help for my needs, um, not, not that I seek the gift, 
but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Verse 18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's now pray. And thank you, Father. We join with Paul and give you praise and glory for your gracious gift to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this letter. We pray now that we would sit under your authority and we ask now that your spirit would guide us and show us what you want us to know today. In Jesus' name, amen. So they get the new guy to talk about money. Money is a big subject, right? We can't talk about everything today, but it is a big deal. And I just want you to know from the beginning that this is not a reactionary sermon because we're going through a book of the Bible and God wants us to consider this today. And the other thing I want to say is that if you are visiting with us, maybe you're visiting online or if you're an Odenton visitor or maybe you're in the chapel visiting or just anybody who's visiting, I just want to let you know that we are not after your money. We are after that you know Jesus as your treasure. And when he becomes your treasure, he will impact everything in your life, including your money. So that's just a little introductory comment there. And when I sat down to study this passage it was really, really hard. And it wasn't because it was difficult to understand. It was hard because God was inviting me to reconsider my giving. And so instead of going to the Greek text and all my commentaries, I actually opened up my budget. That's what I did. Got on my same desk. Sandy, my wife, had been doing the budget when we were in Peru I've been doing it the last five years. And I have to say, I haven't been a very happy camper with this job because typically I look at it once a month, review it all, see how the things are going. And, and I typically leave in a bad mood. And, and I'm like, why am I always in a bad mood when I look at our budget? It's because I'm, look, I'm asking myself questions like, well, how am I going to pay for this? And how am I going to pay for that? One question came to my mind. There are things on my budget that I give effortlessly to. I just don't even think twice about it. I don't know what that is for you, but for me, that's Spotify. My monthly subscription to Spotify because I love music. Uh, if you didn't know, grew up in uh, the South, hear it from the accent here, and I was a mobile disc jockey and my name was Vanilla Allen, DJ Vanilla Allen. <laughs> so I'm trying to re-resurrect this side job as DJ Nilla. Uh, and I want to stay on top of music. Okay. So it's important to me. It's a status thing for me. I may think about it too much, but I love it. What about you? What are your effortless giving line items? Clothing, your children, you got something. I know you do. And the reason why is, is because of this. We give joyfully to our treasures. We give joyfully to our treasures. And for the Philippians, that treasure was Paul. They loved Paul. Paul had planted this church. He had suffered for them. And they had been in this partnership for over 10 years. And so here we see 
as Paul is writing them a thank you letter back, and this, he drops in a few giving principles for us to, to listen in on. And I want to share with you these principles, and then we'll get to the power, we get this power to have a joyful giving attitude. And the first of these principles is this, is that joyful giving comes from sacrifice, not surplus. And we see it here in this verse here. I have received full payment and more, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, acceptable and pleasing to God. Paul is using sacrificial language here of when you go into the temple, they present this animal sacrifice and the whole thing was burnt up and nothing was left for the priest or anybody else. And the aroma went to the heavens. And the, and the picture is that when it reaches the heavenly realms where the, the God is enthroned, that it's a pleasing sacrifice. Now notice here, he, he, said, he doesn't say they get out, give out surplus. That's typically how we Americans think about it. We do our budget, and we have, if we have anything extra, then we might give on top of that. And we have all sorts of categories that we think through. We have like our gym membership. Maybe that's our living conditions that we're thinking through. Or maybe we're, we have an iCloud storage that we need to up because I can't keep all the videos and pictures off my phone. And so I just keep needing to get more storage on, on, my, on the cloud. Or maybe you found out that Disney Plus has just come out with new streaming, Right. Or Apple TV Plus, and they've got some fantastic, they took it off Netflix and they put it all on Disney Plus now. You have to go watch that for the Mandalorian series if you want to check that out. But those are things that we are dedicated to, and then maybe we give on top of that. And the problem here, Paul is saying, is if you do that, you will not experience joy. If you give out of surplus, you will always have this like, I got to give it away. Instead of like, oh, I get to give it away. And notice that Paul describes this as a fragrant offering. It's pleasing to God. This is, uh, this is our act of worship. So that means that there is such a thing as a stinky sacrifice. You can give, I can give stinky sacrifices. And that would be a sacrifice that's motivated by guilt or manipulation or pride. Guilt would say something like this. I got to give because I feel so bad. It's all about me and how I feel. Got to get that bad feeling away from me. Or manipulation would say, I'm going to give because I really want to weigh in what's happening over there. And I want to kind of have my influence and I give this gift with the string attached. And the pride says, well, I really want to give because I really care what people think about me giving. And I want to be seen as a big giver or a generous giver. So that's a stinky sacrifice. But a Fragrant offering is one that's given in faith and obedience and joy is returned. So that's the first thing we see is that God, that he calls us to a sacrifice. And when we do that, God gives us something in return. And that's our next principle. We see that joyful giving increases spiritual profit. We see that from this verse here. Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So Paul is he's basically saying here, I'm not after your money. I'm not after something from you, but I'm after something for you, right? He wants something for you. He wants to increase their spiritual profit. Now, Paul switches from sacrificial language to accounting language here. Some of, it, some of the uh, translations say, says that accrues to your account, 
And the idea here is that you have, every time that a gift is given in faith from your earthly account, it goes into a heavenly banking account for you, if you will, and it's stored there. And so it's this amazing transaction that happens that no market can touch, nobody can affect it, and it was there for you. It is a treasure. Now, Jesus calls this treasures in heaven, right? Now, we may ask the question, what is this increase? What is this spiritual increase? And I'll tell you, if, if you ask Paul that, this is how you would answer it. He would say it from Philippians 3.8, I count everything loss for the surpassing worth, accounting term, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Knowing Jesus and becoming like Jesus is the surpassing worth. It is the treasure. So yes, there may be some spiritual monetary blessings attached, but really the, the treasure is Jesus and becoming like him. So when you give like this, you become like Jesus. And that's the second principle that we see. But we also see that when not only we get this, but we get something else. And we see this in the third principle. Joyful giving forms gospel friendships. You get gospel friends when you give this way. Paul uses an interesting word here. He says, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. Some of your translations say share. No, no uh, other church has shared with me in the matter is how it's translated by some. And the reason why is because the word here is koinonia. It's the word for fellowship. And all throughout this book, we see that word. And Paul here is talking about this fellowship that they enjoy, something that they share in common. So what do they share in common? Well, Paul tells what it is at the very beginning of the book when he says this. He says this in chapter 1. He says, I entered into partnership. Uh, that, thank God because of your partnership in the gospel. It's the gospel ministry that has made them friends. It's made them deep friends. And I'll show you how deep friends they were because they were sharing in Paul's trouble. That's what it says in verse 14. They were sharing in all of his difficulty. Now, Paul was saying here earlier in chapter three that I want to know Christ and the fellowship, the sharing, the koinonia of his sufferings. And then the Philippians are wanting to share in Paul's trouble. Do you see what's happening here? As Paul, to the same degree that Paul wants to fellowship in Christ's sufferings, the Philippians want to share in Paul's sufferings and his trouble. This is true gospel friendship. Now, both of these people, both of these parties are at rock bottom. I mean, if you're in prison, you're probably the lowest you can go, right? And in the Philippians, they were experiencing persecution and suffering. Some might have even been in prison. They were in financial distress. Both of them were in the deep, dark valley. And when they got down into this deep, dark valley, who did they find? Jesus. And Jesus has prepared for them this table. And he says, come sit down at this table before the presence of your enemies and fellowship there. And what they find is joy in that place. That is gospel friendship. Now, being a missionary in another country for many years, <clears throat> we've had the privilege of making these kind of friendships. Uh, this is the first year of my life in a long time that I haven't lived off funds. And, and I kind of miss it. And it's not because I missed the whole fundraising process. I miss these friendships. 
when we are in, a, there was one family in Memphis, Tennessee, that they invited us back to, for our year uh, mission assignment as we raised funds there. And they, this family provided us a home to live in. They gave us a car to, to drive. They gave to our kids all a, a lot of presents and clothes. They threw parties for us. They included us into their very lives. Sometimes we stayed in their house. I got a big family. That's not an easy thing to ask, is to ask all my family to come over to your house. And so here, here is this family that's formed this deep gospel friendship. And it's a beautiful thing. And, if, and the, here's the, the good news. <clears throat> you may be sitting here today going, I don't have a friend like that. The good news is that you can get a friend like that. All you have to do is share in their trouble. To share in a gospel minister's trouble. And here at Bay Area, we have plenty of opportunities for you to share in the trouble of others. <laughs> we have residents. I don't know if you know this, but they raise funds and they are raising funds right now. If you want to become one of their friends, you can do it. If you, I would say probably half of you in this room have already supported to a short-term missionary. You can do that. That is a way to share in the trouble. Maybe God's asking you to, to partner with the global ministry partners, our cross-cultural ministries partners that are across the world and share in their trouble. And I promise you, if you do this, oh, you will become such good friends. So that's the third principle is that it, God gives us friends uh, in the gospel when we give joyfully. We also have seen that it comes from sacrifice and increases spiritual profit. It forms gospel friendships. And the last principle, and it's a great one, joyful giving banks on God's unlimited resources. We see this from this verse. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, this is probably the most famous verse from our passage and it's probably the most misunderstood one. Just kind of like last time when we said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we said, you probably shouldn't apply that to all sporting events, right? Well, in this one, it's the same way. If you pull this out and just say, I, and just use it as a blank promise, it's probably not going to be for you. And as, and as Greg was reviewing this passage with me, he made a, a keen observation you know, we believe in the entire Bible and every letter is true. And so this word and is very important to us because it connects us to all that Paul was just saying. And all Paul was just saying is that the Philippian church was generous. And when you give generously, then you can bank on this promise. Only generous givers banks on this promise. Okay, <laughs> let's get that straight. It's a provisional provision. If you are not generous, you cannot claim this verse. But look what the scale is up with. The scale is according to the riches that are in, in glory in Christ Jesus. This immeasurable riches are at our disposal. It's these incredible riches. And there's this picture in Aladdin where you go into the cave of wonders. And you see this picture of all these treasures Imagine if they told you, count every coin and sum it up. Well, Paul and his other letter to Ephesians says these are immeasurable riches, unsearchable riches. You can't get to the bottom of it. You can't count it. You don't even, even if you got the number, what makes sense to you because it'd be so large. And this is the type of resources that are at your disposal if you're giving generously. Bay Area is a generous church. 
We have helped birth many church plants, Axis being our latest. We're helping birth Odenton Campus. Grace Bomb is being birthed in our, in the, in our midst. Gifts for children. I just want to tell you that I've never seen God bankrupt a generous church, ever. He will not bankrupt a generous church. Try him on that. He will bless us and he will bank, we can bank on his unlimited resources. Now, I want to get to the power because these principles can feel heavy just by themselves. Where do we get the power to do this? And before we get to the power, we just need to be real for a second. We struggle with this. Joyful giving may not be our main characteristics as Americans. It just, it's just not. And let me just review from you, with you some statistics that, that speak truthfully about the American church. And the first one is this. The average giving of evangelical Christians in the United States is 2.5% of their income. The next one says... Only 5% of evangelical Christians tithe, which is give 10% of their income. And the last one says, of families that make more than $75,000 a year, that's many people in this county, only 1% tithe their income. Friends, we are in the wealthiest country in the world. We are in the richest state in the world. And Anne Arundel County might be one of the wealthiest of counties in Maryland. What is the problem? What in the world is going on here? Why are we given like this and patting ourselves on the back? I'll tell you why. It's because we have so many treasures. We have so many treasures. And when we place anything before Jesus, the Bible calls that an idol. And let me tell you something about idols. They are demanding. They want you to work for them. Sacrifice for them. They want you to sweat, pull those long hours, and they make empty promises, right? And now these idols are tricky because they're usually good things, great things, but just before Jesus. And behind these idols, the Bible says, are demons. <laughs> Real, spiritual, dark power that wants to pull your heart away from Jesus. That is our problem. They never sacrifice for you, but there is a treasure that does sacrifice for you, and that is King Jesus. He is the only treasure in the universe who gives his treasure to you, just look at this passage of scripture. That's a parallel passage from 2 Corinthians 8. It says, though Jesus was rich, he was the wealthiest man in the universe, yet for your sake became poor, so that by his poverty, you might become rich. 
In other words, he's not giving out of his abundance to us. He's not giving out of his surplus. He's giving us all his treasure away, <laughs> all of it. He was in the most lofty, most luxurious palace in heaven. And he came down here as a poor person. He chose this. He wanted to be poor. He was a homeless man. And on the cross, he made this transaction of taking all of our spiritual bankruptcy so that we may get all of his spiritual wealth. No other treasure does that for you or for me. Just imagine this scenario. Let's just, if you Google the richest man on the face of this planet, you get this guy, Jeff Bezos, right? Jeff Bezos, founder and CEO of Amazon. I'm sure if we raised hands, half the room would have ordered something from Amazon this past week. <laughs> so he is worth 111 billion dollars. Now, I'm not a fan. I, we ordered from Amazon this past week, too. My, and that's not what an indictment. Um, 11, $111 billion. Now, that's just a number we, most of us can't even comprehend. If you try to spend that type of money in 25 years, you will have to spend $12 million a day to get rid of it. Okay. So let's now say that Jeff Bezos, here's about you. Maybe online, maybe in Odinson, maybe in the chapel, maybe in this room. He hears about you and he wants to get to know you, but it's gonna cost him every dollar that he owns. Do you think he'll do that? You think Jeff Bezos would do that for you? And the man who owns everything did that for you. Jesus Christ did that for you. He owns everything. He wants to know you. He wants you to be his treasure. And when that begins to warm your heart, then that's the power. That becomes the power, the motivation. Because you know what happens? Something crazy happens. Money just becomes money again. Idols just becomes things again. The demons lose their power because Jesus becomes your power and joy inexpressible will be at your disposal. Okay. So I want to close with two stories that illustrates this. And what the first story is about this family, this young, this young family, they're with child, and the due date is around Christmas time. I don't know if anybody's had a Christmas baby. It's exciting things. Start thinking about Mary and Jesus, and it's an exciting time. They, and they were thinking about all the gifts that they could give this little child that's about to come into the world. And then something terrible happens. She miscarries and loses the child, it leaves them devastated. And so in that sadness, they go through Christmas, go through the year, the next Christmas rolls around, and it acts like a trigger. It reminds them of what happened the last Christmas. But something interesting happens this Christmas because in their hearts, they still wanted to give gifts to a child about the same age. And it was in this moment of emotional and spiritual poverty that they made the decision to give gifts to unfortunate children. And that is how Gifts for Children was birthed. Kim and Dave Mitchell, over, over 10 plus years ago, started this ministry. And if you ask them, 
How's it going? You will see joy bouncing in their eyes as they talk about the 10,000 plus kids who have received gifts because of this. And, they, and this happened all because Ken and, and uh, Kim and Dave Mitchell made Jesus their treasure, just like the Philippians and Paul made Jesus their treasure. Now let me go back to the story at the beginning. I'm looking at my budget. I'm suffering low levels of uh, PTSD because I'm, I'm, I'm dreading this whole process and I don't want to go into a bad mood, but this time it's different. The reason why it's different is because I've been marinating in Philippians 4 <laughs> and the peace which transcends all understanding was guarding my heart about financial matters. Jesus was my peace at that moment. And uh, Jesus was also giving me contentment. He was giving me the strength in all things so that I can be content about our financial situation. I wasn't wanting more. I was singing Kanye's West new song about everything, I have everything I need. That came out like that week, I think. And so that was, so I had the peace of Christ, the contentment of Christ. And so I went and I said, what would it look like if we increased our percentage? And the weirdest thing happened. A place of drudgery became a place of worship for me. And God gave us, gave me joy. And so when Sandy came home, my wife, and I got to share her my idea about increasing our giving, she too was excited. Christ was our treasure so we could give back. We want this for you. We want this. We want joy for you. So if you're here today, you may be saying, I have never experienced any joy like that before. Well, I want to invite you to make Jesus your treasure today. The only treasure who gives up all of his riches for you. Turn away from all those bad idols and come to Jesus and believe in him. Others of you today have received a financial gift like Paul, but you haven't yet written a thank you note. This is a friendly reminder to maybe go write that thank you note to that person who gave you money. Others of you are like, Alan, if you only knew my financial situation, I am up to my eyeballs in debt. I can't even think about giving right now because I can't even make ends meet right now. If that is you, I want to invite you to consider going to our growth group. They happen every session. Uh, our next growth group, this is the, an advertisement for the one now, but the next one is in February. They, there's always a growth group around finances and generosity. And we have folks who've helped people with their budget and helped them get their finances in order. But no matter where you are, on your journey towards generosity and joyful giving, we all have a step to take. We all have a step. So for some of you, you've never given before. You've never given back to God. So I wanna invite you to become a, a first-time giver today and experience the joy that God provides there. For some of you, you're, you've, been, you've given before, but it's been sporadic, it's been hit or miss, maybe annually, maybe every other month. I wanna invite you, maybe God's inviting you to become a regular giver. And maybe you are already a regular giver, but your giving has been flat. It's just been staying on cruise for, for a couple years, a couple months. Maybe God's inviting you to become a percentage of giver where you're increasing your percentage as God provides. And for some of you, you understand the joy of giving and God isn't calling you to increasing gifts of extra, becoming a extravagant giver. 
And I want to say, there may be someone in this room like Zacchaeus who goes from zero to 100 and gives all, so much of their wealth away and they become extravagant giver the first day. No matter where you are on this journey, God has a step for us all. So I want to invite us all, whether you're in the chapel, whether you're at Odenton, whether in here, so let's take a moment and let's reflect now. What is God saying to us now? So take a moment and reflect. Yes, all of our wealth, Father, we say is in the cross. Father, make us joy forgivers, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you rise just for one moment before I send you out and hear now the good word Paul says in the end of Romans, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet and the grace of our Lord Jesus will be with you. So now go with the joy of the Lord.